0: All right, welcome to the show. This is Brad, and if you are a longtime listener, I welcome you back, and if this is your very first time listening to the show, maybe you saw the guest that I'm having on the show today and you tuned in because you saw the guest and bacon, well, hit that subscribe button on the iTunes app, or if you are... If you are uh, listening to this on the blog, go ahead and subscribe. There's a a link here to subscribe to the show and to the newsletter, and I think you'll love it. And today's guest is Neil Patel. Neil is one of the most prolific content marketing uh, experts and just marketing experts in general, really in the world. He is responsible for businesses such as uh, Crazy Egg and Kissmetrics and... um, Quicksprout.com. You've probably heard of him, and if you've googled anything on, you know, marketing or digital marketing, you probably come across an article on NeilPatel.com. Neil is um, one of the brightest most successful marketers and business growth experts out there. And today he's joining us on the show to talk about some of the strategies that are really working uh, in his business and that of some of his clients. And he's going to talk about his new book that's coming out called Hustle. So let's see if Neil is on the other line. All right. So Neil Patel, are you with me?
1: I'm here. Thanks for having
0: me. Yeah, dude. It's good to have you on the show. i um. I've been looking forward to this, dude. It's uh, it's been funny. I've like followed, you know, followed your rise ever since back in. I mean, was it Crazy Egg was the first thing, like big publicly that you did? Was that your, your first big breakout success, or am I? missing? Yeah, you're right.
2: No, it was my first big breakout success where we had like a ton of PR and press. We even had people writing articles. We didn't pay them or tell them to write this, but people writing articles like Google should acquire this company and stuff. So I would say that was my. First big success.
0: Nice. I love it. Well, um, for my listeners, uh, one of my favorite memories of you is one time when we were all hanging over at Kent Clothier's house over here in La Jolla and you came, you were in town. I think it was for Traffic and Conversion Summit or something like that. And I guess it was a little chilly out and you came, I <laughs> came over to the party in a bathrobe.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's
2: right. It was freezing and I didn't bring a jacket. So I just took the bathrobe from the hotel and I'm like, this is my jacket.
0: That was awesome. It was like, it was a pretty pimping thing to do, I got to admit. Especially because I think you had like some Gucci shoes on or something like that, like some really fancy shoes. <laughs> and all you saw was like, I don't know, I don't know if it was like alligator shoes or whatever, just real fancy <laughs> and a white bathrobe. Amazing. It's the alligator.
2: That means they Tom Ford. But yeah, I was wearing Tom Ford shoes then at that time and uh, a robe. <laughs> uh, that,
0: was, that was great. So, man, you've, you've been um, really blowing up a lot lately. I mean, I think there's probably no one more prolific... Then, then you know, you and your company with content creation and the long-form content creation and the holy crap—he just wrote a book on a podcast I and mean, on a blog post—and he did it three times this week. Uh, kind of content, and you've kind of made a real name for yourself in producing the, you know, the type of content that is, you know, just really makes people take notice.
1: Um, yeah,
2: we just go above and beyond. And what's crazy is. This. The amount of time and energy it takes to create that kind of content, yep. it's just a lot. And most people don't realize it. And then on top of that, what most people don't even see, we do that in English. We do the same in Spanish. We do the same in Portuguese. Are you kidding me? German. Yeah. Like on you, a guys week, tra- you guys translate it? We translate it manually. So each week, just on neilpatel.com, I'm publishing seven blog posts in English seven in Portuguese, seven in German, seven in uh, Spanish. But yeah, so we're cranking out multiple languages. We'll add more like Arabic, we'll add uh, Italian, or, uh, and then we'll add French and a few other languages over time.
0: Yeah, you, you know Chrome will translate that for you, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, but it's not the same. It's yeah, that's crazy. True. don't realize there's so much traffic to be had internationally and no one goes after it we're almost at the point where we're getting more visitors from Brazil than we are from the United States.
0: Really? Yeah. I would not have thought. I, is Brazil just hugely growing with digital marketing? And
2: It's huge. So think of it this way. I've been doing Brazil since November of 2015. Okay. Okay. I've been doing the U.S. version since 2014 sometime. All right. So when you think about it that way, in general, uh, the Brazil page on my About page—it's a lot newer—has 234 comments. My U.S. About page has a whopping 232. I have more comments in Portuguese than I do in English on my About page. Wow! So I just—so I just
0: went there, neilpatel.com/br. That's how I get to the Brazilian one, right?
2: That's right. Wow! And if on unsobri at the top, that'll mean that's their version of the belt.
0: Mm-hmm. Man, so you translate this into how many languages then?
2: Uh, right now, the main site is translated in German, Italian, Spanish, Portuguese, and English. So five languages. Wow. More.
0: Yeah, you guys, I mean, you spend a lot of money too. That's what people don't understand. It's You're not just um, throwing out content like, hey, I'm just going to sit here and type, 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 type. I mean, you spend a lot of money. I've seen like on everything from infographics to the research to everything else that you can tell when you're reading this, it's kind of a uh, overwhelming, like is one of the reasons also to say, look, go ahead and try to compete with me on this. You you know, good luck.
2: Yeah, it, pretty much. I just go so above and beyond. It's hard for people to compete because they think I'm crazy. Like this is my personal blog. I spent more than six figures just on credit card expenses on the personal blog, plus oh. there's uh, employees and team members and other miscellaneous expenses, but just I'm spending six figures purely just on a credit card. Right. So if you include the team members and stuff like that, the expenses are way more. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's to able to compete when you're burning that much cash.
0: So in the, in terms of content marketing for people who are starting off, like you, you are, uh, you came to the blog, like you had your success in software and other stuff like that, right? So you came to this with capital before you uh, started. I, I'm guessing before you started spending uh, a large amount of capital on the content and the blog, et cetera. Do you, what advice do you have for people who are starting off and they don't they don't have a big, you know, capital stash to to invest in this to get really quality stuff, but then and you know not being able to drop six figures every month on their blog.
2: Yeah, well, most people don't realize you don't need much money to make it work out. So, mm-hmm. even me, yes, I had money from the software realm, but the blog was profitable probably from like the third month. Mm-hmm. I was burning anywhere near six figures. I wasn't even burning four figures a month. I was just putting in my own time and paid for hosting and I'll pay yeah. for which probably cost me like 30 or 50 bucks a month for stock photography. So, my expenses weren't that high. Mm-hmm. Produces more than whatever it costs. That's the only reason I'm burning so much money because I'm just trying to expand as quick as possible.
0: Right. So tell me, let's zoom out. Tell me kind of like what a week in the life of you looks like. By and by, the, what what I mean by that is, I know you you do client work. You're you know you, you've got your own stuff. You're probably involved in a bunch of other cool opportunities and things. Like how how are you spending your life? What's your business and life look like right now?
2: Yeah, my business life is really uh, boring. It's just filled with emails, yeah. meetings, mm-hmm. and and that's really it. That's a day in my life. I travel a lot. I blog a lot. Yep. I just don't do much more than that. It really is just email. If I had to pick one, I spend most of my time in emails.
1: Okay. When
0: you're wor- and you work with uh, clients of, you know, all sizes. Or, I mean, I
2: know you've worked with some really big companies in the past. Oh, yeah. Do you still do that? Right. We don't do much consulting at all mm-hmm. and that's also how I'm able to pay for a lot of the burn on the blog. Yeah. We get really big consulting contracts that are pretty easy and we'll take them and then I'll use that money and I'll just burn it. I'll be like, okay, go translate X content into international expansion. Like I just locked in a contract with a travel company
1: mm-hmm.
2: where they're paying me $100,000. is a really big publicly traded travel company and all I have to do is meet up with them like twice. Or something like that for the hundred grand. It's not much work, so there's no real cost other than like airfare. Yeah. Technically, they also live close enough to me where it's you know I don't even have to get a hotel. You just get like airfare or whatever it may be, fly back and forth or one night hotel. So I'll just take the money and I'll burn it on the blog. But um, I don't do much consulting. Nice, really nice.
0: So most of the is does the income off the blog come from? What would you
2: say then? The income is mainly coming from um, the income is mainly coming from ebooks, digital products. Mm-hmm.
0: That's mainly it. Nice. Nice. So the uh, on the consulting stuff with the like whether it's the travel company or some of the larger ones you've done. I'm have always been curious about this. I've done some pretty big deals but um, what are you what do you find some of the bigger companies uh, typically really need help with because a, a lot of times I've found personally that it's stuff that I think is really simple and like, oh my God, you're seriously paying me for this? Like, do you have those situations where I can't believe you're paying me $100,000 for doing something I could do in my sleep?
2: Not necessarily because the way I look at it, 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 it it's kind of awesome in that aspect. It's shocking online, but you have to think about our ROI. If a company is making hundreds of millions of dollars
1: mm-hmm.
2: or billions of dollars Would you pay someone a hundred grand, or even a half a million, or a million dollars to come in and teach you a few simple tweaks that you can make, or tweaks you can make to grow your business by five or ten percent? Yeah.
0: Are you Are you finding that they typically want help with um, their content marketing strategy, SEO, conversion rate optimization, direct response? I mean, what What do you find some of the biggest uh, pain points in the companies that you have worked with have been?
2: They just want me to help them make more sales. Yeah, like revenue, that's it. They don't even tell me, Hey, Neil, help us with SEO or conversion. They don't say
0: how. They just say we just need more money.
2: Yeah, here's our business. Here's our stock price. We have slow growth. Uh, You know, we have issues with Google. We have issues with that. Can you figure out how to help us grow by another five or Mm ten percent? These companies are just pretty much they have growth issues, right? When you get to a size where you're making hundreds of millions or billions of dollars. It's not easy to keep growing ten, twenty, thirty, forty percent year over year, right? Yeah. So guys are just coming to me and be like, Neil, do you know any ways we can grow? I'll we'll pay you whatever to just come in and tell us what's wrong.
0: Right, right, and that's that's a great position to be in. And I I imagine that the content marketing that you've done does most of the heavy lifting for building your credibility and you know getting on their
2: radar. That's right. It really does. So it's like that most of these guys read the blog that's how they find me They mm-hmm. read the blog right i have a book coming out which will help even more mm-hmm. i speak at a ton of conferences i released a podcast which i think is doing okay i don't know what's good or bad but yeah. we're on tenth episode release we're getting around six to seven thousand downloads a day yeah
1: that's so good was, when did you release uh, it
2: 10 days ago oh yeah that's that's good that's really good So I was like, oh, maybe we can get to half a million within the next thirty or sixty days, right? Uh, Per month or whatever it may be.
0: What's the name of the podcast?
1: Marketing marketing School.
0: Marketing School. Nice. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. And you know, for my listeners, you guys can go listen to it. Uh, Are you doing? You know, do do you do much other like investing in other companies, whether it's you know angel or uh, anything like that? Do you kind of get involved? I know you've got a lot of friends in Silicon Valley and.
2: Yeah, I've invested in a ton of startups. I don't know how many. I guess it's like thirty to forty. Mm-hmm. Over time, I don't invest too much in startups. I've been doing that for who, seven years now. Yeah, I found that the highest ROI is investing myself. For anyone listening, if you have a talent or a skill, invest in it. Your best ROI is going to be yourself.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. It's it's funny. I've actually had to really dig into that with some personal stuff on my own in the in the in the past. You know, many years ago. I've went broke twice, like just lost everything I had through investments that I made in either other people, other things, things that I had no control over. And I just thought, okay, I've got some money here. I'm going to put this in. And I'm, you know, I'm talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I just ended up going all in because I thought that that might be my lottery ticket. Right. And without fail, both, well, both of them failed, uh, spectacularly. And uh, every time I've invested in myself, or it was my own business, my own education, or whatever, it ended up working out. So I've had to kind of – I almost need to tattoo that on my arm. So,
1: uh.
2: <laughs> Well, think of it this way. You made it back and you're still kicking and you're alive and you're doing great now. Yep. How would you make it all back? Yourself. Yeah, right? exactly. It's the best investment someone can make. It, it, I look at it education too, right? And not necessarily just a college education. Mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. saying you should go to college or you shouldn't. I'm saying life experiences, what you learn, the time and the energy that you spend. It could even just be reading and learning online, online videos. Listen to this podcast, right? Yep. You can learn in many different ways. The best investment is always going to be yourself. The more you improve yourself, the better off you're going to be in the long haul.
0: Yeah, I agree. What, what are some of the areas that you're trying to improve yourself in right now? I mean, you've got a good mastery of a lot of areas of marketing, but where are you trying to improve?
2: uh my biggest problem right now is focus mm-hmm. so i do too many things i've been really good this year at cutting that back yeah i now mainly only focus on uh crazy egg and that's it mm-hmm. other than that um i've just been focusing on building my brand and i'm trying to learn how to get better and better at that i think i'm doing a good job because mm-hmm. i look at it i do a ton of guest posting each week i blog on my own blogs i've been building up my social media profiles i've Released a podcast, but there's a few more things that I knew, right? I also speak at conferences. I eventually want to get into YouTube videos and have a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Just really focusing on how do I build the biggest brand in marketing so I can be the next David Ogilvy of digital marketing.
0: Right. No, that's a, that's a really nice, big, hairy goal. It's, um, <laughs> David Ogilvy's is the man, um, or was. The guest posting. I remember hearing one of your strategies on guest posting Back in an event you were speaking at in Orlando, and uh, I remember taking a lot of notes because I've done some guest posting and I've always seen that as a a really valuable strategy and You talked about reaching out to some of the um, to some of the other people who are who are guest posting or who have relationships there and working your way in in order to get on these publications. Can you explain a little bit more about your strategy there for people like myself and
2: others who would like to do more of that? Yeah, so think of it this way. You guys all listen to this uh, podcast. Brad, as you mentioned, you guest post, right? Yep. And you guest post in a few places. So instead of just hitting up Entrepreneur Magazine and sites like that and saying, hey, Entrepreneur Magazine, can we guest post? Chances are they're going to ignore your email. But if you email Brad and you say, hey, Brad, amazing article that you wrote on marketing. Love it to death. Uh, Have you thought about covering X, Y, and Z topic that you didn't discuss in this article? I think it would benefit a lot of your readers and listeners like me. The chances are, because I'm giving you solid feedback, you're going to be like, oh, sure. You know, thanks. Appreciate the feedback. Um, Maybe you'll implement it. Maybe you won't. Doesn't even matter. But I'm giving you solid feedback and you're just going to appreciate it overall. The same goes with any type of networking. When you network with someone and you give them feedback versus asking for something, they're much more likely to want to work with you, help you out or whatever it may be. So after I send you that first email, you're going to typically respond back. Then I may wait a few days or a week later and send you off another email. Hey, Brad, have you, uh, I read another article of yours, love it to death. And I noticed you covered A, B, and C tool, but you actually missed out this tool and here's how you can actually use it to do what you're trying to do more efficiently, right? I'm just trying to give you more feedback, mm-hmm. shows that I'm an expert, I know my shit. And eventually, after I build that rapport with you and I give you feedback, I may end up shooting you an email and saying, hey, Brad, I have a quick question for you. I want to follow follow in your footsteps. I love what you're doing, and my goal one day is to be like you. And one yeah, of the things awesome. that I do is guest posts like you're guest posting. Any advice that you can give me, Or better yet, maybe you could even do an introduction between the Editor Entrepreneur magazine. I'll love to write content for them just like you. Your number one fan, Neil. (laughs) That's awesome. And it works really well. Flattery Flattery
0: will get you everywhere. It's absolutely true.
2: Yes. And the key is flattery after you get feedback. So that way they're engaged.
0: Yeah. There's an art to it. And I like how you you don't go for it right up front. Hey, Brad, I saw you writing for Entrepreneur. Can I be on there you know one of the things i actually have not done this yet but it made me think you know, we've all got a million ideas we just haven't pursued which was because i do have a platform on the the podcast and i get really good listenership and everything else and i have the ability to give value i notice that there's a lot of people you know potentially like like, like yourself right if i uh, if I just found you, I didn't know you and I said, Hey, Neil, I love what you're doing. I love crazy egg. I saw you writing, you know, I read your article on entrepreneur or whatever. I'd love to have you on my show or, you know, reaching out because I can offer that as a value is inter- interviewing these people who are, they're also business owners, but they're guest posting on some prominent places. And that's me giving them a platform, giving them more exposure, which is obviously what they're looking for and building a relationship like that. And maybe even casually asking, Yeah, so how's that going with entrepreneur? But, uh, it's one of those things that I, I probably should do to leverage my, my platform to get, you know, to get even more exposure.
2: I've never thought about that, but I'm going to use it now.
0: (laughs) There you go. Well, especially now you got the podcast and everything else. It's yeah. Reaching out. It's, there's a lot of creative ways to kind of get in there is by the way, the number one reason that I do this podcast is for, it's, I say this on online all the time, uh, but it's selfish. Like I do it for the relationships I get to build with my guests and, um, the, the opportunities that that facilitates. And I want to have these conversations with people like yourself and the other guests. Anyway, I may as well record them and let other people eavesdrop. Uh, but it's been an amazing door opener.
2: I believe it. And funny enough, when I do, when we're doing our podcast, we're not even doing guests. I'm like, God, that's too much work. I'm just going on there and just chatting away. See, to me, that's too much work. I'm like,
0: I sit down in front of a, uh, In front of the microphone, and I can, you know, I could, I always thought I could talk to a wall, but I sit down in front of a microphone and nothing to say. I go, um, I got nothing. I got other stuff to do. (laughs) I think having the guest scheduled keeps me on point to say, okay, I got to do the podcast. But, um, that's really cool. And I love the guest posting strategy. Would you say that if somebody's just starting off on or just getting going on, uh, content marketing for themselves that they should probably, if they're going to focus more effort on their own blog or versus guest posting, what would you prioritize?
2: If you're not going to blog consistently, do guest posting. Mm-hmm. And if you can blog consistently, eventually do your own blog and guest posting. You should always do guest posting yeah. because yeah. you're just leveraging someone else's traffic and platform. So it's easier to get started. Mm-hmm. It doesn't provide amazing results. Everyone's like, Oh my God, I'm on entrepreneur magazine my career is made or I'm going to get a ton of traffic. My rankings are going to boost. None of that really happens. Mm -mm. All that happens is you get on these guest posting sites like entrepreneur magazine or Forbes, more people are seeing you, but unless they see your name over and over again, you're not going to do well. So what you need to do is, do it for a year, and after you do it for a year, then you're going to start seeing some name recognition from it and branding, and then you'll start seeing business come from it. But it takes a long time to kick
1: in.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it's a credibility builder. And it helps if you're working with clients, if you're working for other people. You know, when they Google you, things like that are going to come up, and it's going to be great. With um, when it this is more of a technical question on that. So when you're doing a guest post for somebody else, it's it's totally original, right? You're not taking that and then later reposting that article on your page?
2: No, yeah, it's totally original.
0: Okay, that's what I, that's what I thought. Switching topics a little bit on uh, just marketing in general, uh, What is, is there anything that you see is uh, providing the most amount of leverage besides content marketing, anything that's working tremendously well for you, whether your clients, your businesses?
2: It, a, 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 Sorry, Video-based advertising, we find that it works extremely well.
0: Okay. Can you go into more detail?
2: Sure. So we do pre-roll ads on YouTube and a shit ton of it, right? Most people don't ever even see them, but we're like spending millions of dollars a year on pre-roll ads. Mm -hmm. And funny enough, for a software company, most people are willing to spend like three months, six months worth of the user or even a year, and then they hope a user stays for three years and they make their money on year two and three. Yeah, We will spend money just for one month to acquire a customer and they're staying for years. It's that profitable. We make our money back right away, right when they sign up.
0: Oh, wow. Nice. Now, you're mainly doing that for Crazy Egg, not for just Neil Patel personality.
2: That's correct. Mainly Crazy Egg and the reason it works so well is most people don't want to create pre-roll ads. It's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. It's time and energy, but it's really effective.
0: Nice. I love that. Have you thought about doing much of it for just you know, promoting the Neil Patel brand?
2: We will get into it. It's just so expensive. Yeah. To use that. We don't want to do it until we uh, start creating a YouTube channel, add a lot of videos, and then we'll start uh, doing that as well.
0: So, yeah, you really want to be able to kind of capitalize on it once you've got that going. It, so YouTube pre-roll ads are expensive or they're relatively inexpensive compared... Because I, I thought I've heard that they're pretty cheap to get views these days. no.
2: They're cheap, but if I do it for my personal branding, it's not like I'm monetizing. Mm,
0: Yeah, that's a good point. That's yeah, that's a really good point. I see what you're saying,
2: and it's I can burn a thousand dollars a day and make zero dollars from it.
0: (laughs) Right. That's why you know with podcasts, people ask about, well, do you buy advertising for podcasts, and you know how do you promote your podcast? It's a very organic thing. At least it has been for me because it's not a sales channel. I'm not pitching on these episodes. So it's you know, I've I've purchased Facebook ads and I've done some stuff like that to kinda of get a little bit of traction for it. But man, it is hard when you're you're just spending money and there's absolutely
2: no it's just branding. There's absolutely no <laughs> uh you know Yeah, there's no ROI, right? Like yeah. indirectly there is and long term there's a huge benefit. But I'm with you, like even for the podcast that I launched with a buddy, um, he does most of the work like coming up with the topics and mm-hmm. stuff go on and we both chat it makes it easy for me because of my time constraints right tell me about
0: go ahead. what about on the video or the pre-roll ads do you kind of have a do you None. have a uh, little formula for it like what's your video
2: what's your pre-roll ad like nothing we don't even put ads in the podcast
0: no 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 i'm sorry on the on youtube i switch topics oh, okay
2: on youtube what we end up doing is so we mainly make our money through remarketing blog visitors or doing targeting on YouTube for anyone looking into marketing-related stuff. Yep. And what's Crazy, because it's such a generic software that anyone into marketing or with a website should use or uses,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, we took all our survey data and we got all the objections on why people don't use it or want to use it. And we ended up creating a video that explains all the objections and answers why they should use it. And we even talked about how it's like, Different than Google Analytics because some people are like, oh, can't Google Analytics just do all of this, right? So we take it all and when people watch the video, it's like, oh, here are the problems I'm hitting on because so many people have told us these are the problems. Then we break down the solutions and then we break down Crazy Egg and why it's great and why it's unique and why you should sign up compared to using any of the other solutions. Nice. It's just objection handling and it works really well. We just fine-tuned that whole process. It took us like three or four tries to get the right script and it converts and it's just like a little animated explainer video. Oh
0: cool, how, how long is it typically?
2: A bit more than a minute, so between okay. one and two minutes.
0: Okay, yeah, so occasionally I'll see like these two, three minute <laughs> pre-roll ads on there.
2: I'm like, what are you guys doing? Um, it works it, though. Yeah. And you, we you? that when it's too short, you can't answer enough of the objections. Mm. And yes, your cost for the advertising goes down, but the conversion rate's so low, Yeah. the numbers don't pan out. So we'd rather yeah. have longer, more detailed videos and that way, when people watch it, they're much more likely to convert. Like, look at Ty Lopez. Oh yeah, he's a great example of someone who's just printing cash from YouTube. Yeah, and he's yeah. figured out how to create YouTube videos that are more lifestyle related. Mm-hmm. He targets the right audience and can get them to convert and buy right away.
0: Yeah, no, it's been an amazing thing to watch. I mean, Ty gets a lot of flack for, you know, people. You either love Ty or you hate Ty. But yes. You can't deny that I mean the guy has dialed it in. He knows what yeah, he's, he's doing. Smart. His marketing
2: methods are working really well.
0: Absolutely. The um I've been towing in the water on the YouTube video ads for you know, last time we spoke in person was uh, real briefly at the uh, internet marketing party downstairs in San Diego, yeah. the basic. Okay. And I was mentioning that we had ju- my wife Kenya and I had just launched our new coffee brand, Stiletto Coffee.
2: I don't know if you remember us talking about talking? that. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we've been talking about the heel. Yeah. Integrated into design, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's, uh, we got that live in February and, uh, it's been doing okay. Obviously trying to get, grab some traction, but I kind of see, uh, YouTube as being a good place to get in front of, uh, you know our market with that, so I've kind of been strategizing, doing some video, like some pre-roll ads and and whatnot. There's, you know, what's amazing. Uh, I don't know if this would help you and what you're doing at all, maybe with the personal branding stuff. But I came across the a lot of influencers do these morning routine videos, and they get hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of views almost overnight. It's absolutely crazy, and I noticed that it's become a big trend, uh, mainly. You know, not really business related, but anybody who's kind of an influencer on there, they end up doing, eh, this is my morning routine. So uh, we're probably going to be doing a little mini morning routine video and then just advertising on all the people who, you know, who are putting up morning routine videos. Because they're all influencers who are making their money off ads anyway.
2: So, No, it's really smart. For me, it doesn't work because I'm trying to brand myself in the B2B realm or category. So I have a lot of issues in which I can't go mainstream, Yeah. Stream doesn't really do much. I get a lot more people who know about me, but mm-hmm. won't it won't cause a dollar increase in revenue. Uh, but yeah, a lot of these influencers are doing well, not just from morning routines, but going mainstream with the topics that they're talking about, right? Look at Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. He crushes it by just talking about uh, motivation.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right, in my eyes, Gary Vaynerchuk will eventually become the new version of uh, Tony Robbins. Yeah. Yeah. So it works well for him. But if you look at VaynerMedia, they do social media marketing. His motivational videos won't get him too many more customers. But it's getting him a mainstream audience, which is selling more books, and then he sells more books. He gets bigger speaking engagements in the right audience, and that's resulting into more business. So indirectly, it's helping, but just it's a bit of a roundabout way, and it works well for him, and he's smart for doing it.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Years ago, I remember you wrote an article on um, buying or starting a business. And I don't remember, because you sold – you sold a business or two, didn't you? In in your past, or yeah. You? What what was it you sold? Was there a
2: the last one we sold was kissing Tights.
0: Yeah, that's right, that's right. And I remember you wrote an article, something about if I was going to start it, do it all over again, I might buy a company as opposed to build one. And I've actually, uh, this is a topic near and dear to my heart as well. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts on that right now? So, if you were going to go into business, would for something else, whether it was another software, whether it was something else. Would you tend to just kind of build it from scratch where you're at, or would you try to find something to purchase and then use your skills to
2: improve? I would buy and then use my skills to improve. It's just easier for me.
0: Nice. Well, I'm I'm actually glad you said that because that's uh, I've had some epiphanies relatively recently too. Thinking, you know, because it is hard. It's it's sexy to to be the startup entrepreneur who just who gives birth to an idea, but you know, we all know the statistics of how many startups make it
2: yeah it's so much easier just buying a company right now granted not everyone can do it but i prefer that route you just buy and then you grow and yep. you know it's, that's what i'm good at is just taking something and then making it grow like that's what i know how to do i don't know how to do much more than that
0: <laughs> All right. have you done any of that recently where you've uh bought companies or bought in and then came in and did that or
2: uh i haven't done it recently last company i bought was hello bar and that was years ago i'm mm-hmm. about to Another one my guess is in the next two months i'll close on it oh nice
0: tech software tech. related
2: yes yeah. i'll even I, I prefer to do tech software because evaluations are really high on the exits yeah, you they, can get like four to eight x revenue right four to eight x oh. revenue not even earnings yeah just revenue yeah they're yeah. usually bought on revenue
0: right Right. yeah that's um that's a whole nother that's a whole nother ball game are there uh are there sizes of companies you typically you would typically look at or it really doesn't depend, it just kind of depends on the product?
2: It looks. I look at the growth rate and how much potential it has. Mm-hmm. And we think that internal ROI is, but we don't go for, we try to shoot for anything above a million bucks to buy out. So at least 250 a year in revenue minimum for paying 4x. We usually don't even pay 4x. We probably pay like 2 to 3x. But we usually won't buy anything smaller than a million bucks because it's too small. And we usually don't buy anything bigger than $5 million because it's too big. Yeah, It's harder to grow those. But our sweet spot is roughly like buying something for two to three or four or five million bucks.
0: Mm -hmm. Paying that or buying one that's doing that much
2: in sales? Paying that. So our my ideal goal is to buy something that does at least a million dollars a year in revenue, if not two.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Pay anywhere between one and five million dollars for it nice
0: i like that yeah i've um ever like i sold my last company about four years ago and i remember that's how i stumbled into consulting is because i didn't want to just go out and start something brand new again because i realized how much you know it's pushing that rock up a hill and um i have uh been contemplating i haven't pulled the trigger yet i've been uh searching out other companies to potentially purchase. And actually some of them are in the coffee business as I've gotten into this industry and really kind of understood it uh, or starting to understand it. Uh, I, I see some potential opportunities in acquiring and, you know, some other coffee businesses. That's a kind of a topic for another story, but um, tell me about the book that's coming out uh, in September hustle. What's uh
2: what's that about yeah. About hustling? About it is, uh, yeah. It's pretty much about hustle. <laughs> I mean, i'm a genius how do i figure <laughs> that out but think of it this way most people these days feels hard to succeed the middle class is depleting the rich are getting richer the poor are getting poorer and they're like okay oh, if you want to succeed you either have to be born rich or have gone to a good college like harvard or stanford or be really well connected but you know what? there's a lot of people i don't know all of your background i know we hung out a few times mm-hmm. but um like, I think you come from humble beginnings. I don't think anything was handed to you on a silver spoon, right? Yeah,
1: no, yeah ba-
0: basic little middle class, nothing, you know, I didn't have everything I wanted, but I, yeah, I wasn't going hungry in the streets either, but, uh, but yeah, I had to work for what I got.
2: Exactly. So people believe that you need to be rich or you need to be well-connected or networked. Mm-hmm. And that's a bunch of bullshit. If the odds are stacked against you, you can still succeed right? And we teach you the concepts on how to hustle. So then that way, you can find the meaning in life, right? Like what you're passionate about, then you can get momentum, keep pushing forward and growing. And of course, once you get momentum, you'll also start generating money from it. But it just comes down in teaching people how to win when the odds are stacked against you. That's the main purpose of the book. And a good example of this is we teach you something as basic as finding your passion. A lot of people in life believe that, hey, You know, I'm 30 years old or I'm 25 or I'm 40 years old. I should already be doing what I love and they're lost in it. I don't really know what I love doing. And people believe that when you're a little kid, you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or a pharmacist or Mm -hmm. an engineer. And that's what you're going to be as an adult. As we all know, the chances are what you want to be as a kid, like even an astronaut or firefighter, (laughs) usually aren't when you grow up. And they're like, oh, I just think that people who love what they're doing just naturally know what they love. That's not the case. We teach you a process of trial and error on how to find your true passion and a good example of this is you got into consulting, you figured out what you like, you don't want to build businesses anymore, you like helping people and growing businesses. And you learn this by going through processes. The process could be you work for someone else and you help them grow and you'd be like, okay, this is fun, but I don't want to do this for someone else. Mm -hmm. Then you try creating your own business. It's a pain in the butt to create it. I don't want to create any more businesses. I like the growing of the previous business. I like owning my own business, but I don't want to create it from scratch and I don't want to grow someone else's. Then you may end up learning that, oh, I love acquiring businesses and growing them. And then you acquire one and be like, oh, this is really boring. I'm more passionate about coffee and then you could be like, oh, let's acquire a coffee business and let me own it and then grow it. And you could fall in love with it because you love coffee and you have a passion for marketing and growing companies, right? Yep. Yeah. it takes a lot of trial and error to figure out what you're passionate about. And once you figure that out, you're much more likely to put in the time, energy, and effort to really create something big.
0: That's great. And that, and that is exactly the path that I've been on. Like I've tried a little bit of everything. I've been an ac- I've become an accidental expert in a bunch of stuff. And uh by process of elimination i kind of know when i'm trying to put a square peg in a round hole going ne- and i know it now ahead of time so if i see a business opportunity come up that requires a certain skill set or a mindset or whatever I'm like yeah that's definitely not me and i know because i've tried it um, exactly that's that's great is your is the book written primarily for like, like who's, who's a really intended audience. I, I understand that probably a lot of people can get a lot out of it, but is it people who are kind of struggling to find that, that, like you said, that fire, there's, that passion for something?
1: Yeah. There's a few
2: people. It, it The biggest audience is anyone who feels they're just stuck in life and they don't know what to do next.
1: Yeah. Right?
2: Like you're just lost. You want to succeed. You don't know what your right path is in life or how to get there. Mm-hmm. That's what the book is for. Okay. If you're an entrepreneur, you're already, Crushing and killing it, yeah, you can read the book, but it's ideally not.
0: So, so it kind of sounds like you're taking um, – like like what you m- just mentioned before, how Gary started with – he was just all business, 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 and now he's kind of widened his his message up to where it's a much more appealing to the rest of the uh, population as well. Is this somewhat of the same strategy you're doing so that you're not making it as tactically business-oriented, but just more um, – applicable to just driven, ambitious people in general?
2: So a few things. One, I wanted to do something that was a bit more generic because Mm. it helps open up more corporate speaking gigs. Mm, Yeah, good point. And that helps me get in the door. The second thing is I want to try to aim to be a New York Times bestselling author. I don't know if I'll hit it, but something generic does help more with that. And if I write any more books after this, they'll be pure marketing related. Like I have idea for a next book after this that I'm considering. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the title would be, but I want to write something about copy and how words affect everything in life, like in marketing, but break it down to the most simplistic things. So for example, I live in Las Vegas and there's this bridge where there's a lot of homeless people and they have signs and they're asking for money. And some of them aren't even homeless. It's like musicians and stuff like yeah. that. So I want to go throughout the day and change up all their signs, and show how copy can affect their earnings. Oh my god,
0: have you seen, there is an old viral video that went around, I think it was from the UK about this, about the blind homeless person, have you seen this?
2: I have I'll have to check
1: it out. Though. Okay,
0: so, um, oh dude, this was so genius, it was purple, um, pulling in my elephant memory here, purple something, I'm going to Google this while I'm here, because you'll crap your pants, this is exactly what you're... Like this is exactly along the lines, purple words. I'm just typing this in. So what happened? Okay. It's called, I'm about to Skype this to you. It's called the power of words. So it's a marketing agency, by the way, but it shows this, um, this homeless guy and he's blind and he's sitting outside with a little tin can and he's got a sign that says something like, I'm blind. Can you please help? And this woman walks over and she changes the sign to says, it's a beautiful day outside. I wish I could see it. And he was, and then she changed the sign and he was sitting there. And all of a sudden he just heard like make people making it rain into his tin cup. And he's like, what's going on? And she did this totally anonymously. And it was like, you know, words have power. So I'm going to send this to you right now. You'll absolutely love it.
2: Wow. Sounds um, amazing.
0: Yeah. So here we yeah, go.
2: Yeah. I did not another- That's what I want to do it on because marketing can be in every aspect of life. When you introduce yourself, what you say, how you introduce yourself makes a huge difference on where you go.
0: Yep. By the way, film some of this. I mean, this, this one, I just, I just skiked it to you. It's got 25 million views and it came out in 2010, six years ago.
2: That's amazing.
0: Right? Yeah. So uh, that's great that you said that, you know, you also said something a minute ago talking about, and I, and I've given a lot of thought to this talking about as children, what we say we want to be when we grow up and what we, uh, you know, then when we get older, what we say we want to do and speaking about words have power Have you noticed that when you when you're a kid you usually say or they say uh, I want to be a fireman I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a, 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 a baseball player and then when we get older we say I don't know what I want to do when I get old." Well, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I don't want to do well. There's a there's a big There's a big change in the Languaging there as a kid you're talking about who you want to be and as an as an adult, you're talking about what you want to do, and if you look at kind of like the hierarchy of states of mind, being is so much superior to doing. And it's really funny as children, we're not totally, uh, you know, we're not thinking about what we're doing; we're thinking about what we want to be. Um, so, like, instead of as an adult saying, "I want to I want to do marketing," you know, I I want to do this, that, or the other. It's like I want to be the David Ogilvy of marketing, right, for the digital age. I want to be this, and I think when if we change our language to that and realizing that it does have power, it can really change um, how we view what we're passionate about. Like, what do you want to be? I want to be uh, amazing at what I do. I want to be this, that, and the other, as opposed to, oh, yeah, what, what kind of work do I just want to kind of do? But I've, I've given that a lot of thought. So you, you brought that back up. I haven't thought about it in a while.
2: Yeah, and it helps you position yourself too, right? Like your own mindset on what you need to do to get there.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, the book hustle it gives um, it gives kind of the that that mindset. Is there anything else that's kind of in it that's a particular?
2: Yeah, you know? it, it, there's a lot of concepts in there. Uh, one of it is one of the things we talk about is manufacturing your own luck. Mm-hmm. A lot of people believe that to do well, you get lucky. Yeah, but you can also manufacture your own luck. And I'm going to give you an example of this. So one of my co-authors, Patrick, has a son. And they're in a little pond by his house looking for, like, these koi fish. And his son, Shane, Patrick, points him and he's like, Hey, Shane, let's just go home. There's no fish in there. Because he looks down, he looks in the pond, he's like, Oh, there's no fish. Shane looks up to his dad, doesn't say anything. He jumps in the pond and starts shuffling his feet. You know, within seconds, a ton of fish just pop out. Right? Hmm. That's an example of manufacturing your luck. In essence, you got to take action to start seeing something. And that's a big thing that people forget. They believe that, oh, you just do the right time, right place, things will happen. Just
0: manifest it, man. Just yeah, manifest exactly. it. I, I think I hate that word, manifest. Like I, It's just been so overused <laughs> and abused, <laughs> especially living in Southern California.
2: Yes, it has.
0: I'm going to manifest a parking space today. <laughs> Let's go manifest lunch. <laughs> oh, man. Um, what? Uh, any other big trends you're seeing besides – you talked about video marketing. Any other big trends uh, that you're kind of excited about that maybe you know you think the rest of the world hasn't quite jumped on the board yet? You're privy to a lot of cool information. Yeah. Um, Not to put you on the spot there.
2: Yeah. No, I, I actually can't think of too many trends. Like the ones I'm testing out right now, I'm doing a ton of shit shitload of Instagram marketing. Mm-hmm doing a ton of snapchat marketing and i don't do it through the networks because it's so expensive i just head up influencers directly and we're paying them and okay. we found that to bring a huge roi i was going to ask you about
0: that because that's uh, exactly what we're starting to do with stiletto coffee so tell, tell me about your strategy there
2: yeah it, it works so what we do is we'll go into Markets and we look for or we go into categories on like Instagram mm-hmm. and we go and look to see who's following what person mm-hmm. So for example, I have a popular Facebook page or even a profile page that I no longer use I go look at my mutual friends and I go look for fan pages that they're also following and I look at percentages I notice a lot of my followers also follow uh, popular females like actresses, models, etc on Instagram. And my followers just aren't male. A lot of them are females too, but they also follow a lot of uh, those females as well. Mm-hmm. So I we started going to them and we started advertising on their profiles. And everyone's like, why would you advertise on this model's profile it has nothing to do with your business? But it's reaching our audience, and I believe in the rule of seven, in which if someone keeps seeing something seven times, they're much more likely to remember it and take action later on.
0: That's genius. So you're, av- yeah, so you, you're, you're advertising through the systems on there. But are you talking about advertising like through the uh, Facebook ad platform that you're buying ads on Instagram no. there, or you're just going directly to them and asking them to share?
2: Yeah, it's too expensive to go through the Facebook. We just find it being like five yeah. times cheaper to go directly to the people.
0: What are uh, you, I know it's like the wild west out there with, with influencer sponsored advertising because some people, they think they're much more valuable than they are. There's no standards, <laughs> right? I'm sure you run across that all the time. Oh, so, I have uh, 10,000 followers. I want a, yeah, I want $5,000 for a post.
2: No. So we look at it as when they post a picture, what how many likes are they getting on average? Then we use a conservative estimate like 50% of uh, whatever they post because it's promotional. We'll only get 50% of those likes. And then we look at how much we're paying and divided by the number of likes we think we're going to get. And then we optimize for the cost per like. Uh, and usually what we're seeing, like right now we're pushing hard in Brazil. So we have all like the famous actresses and celebrities who are on TV, like the TV host promoting uh, our market-related stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's no direct ROI, but indirectly it is. And we're averaging out around uh, three cents, technically that's in reais, so like less than a dollar or less than one cent USD per like. It's even less than that. It's like so is
0: prop. that what you're optimizing for? Like you're going for for likes, not... Other calls to action.
2: That's correct. But we're using our campaigns purely for branding. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest thing that companies and individuals make a mistake on. When you're looking to go pay someone, you think of PayPal or Stripe. You don't Google, uh, what's the best payment solution? Yeah, sure, some people do, but mainly people just go to PayPal or Stripe. It's the brand that they've built up.
1: Mm -hmm. When you
2: want to get a taxi, you just think Uber. Most people learned about Uber not by Googling what is Uber or best affordable taxi solution, right? It's branding. So we spend a ton of money on branding because once you get in the consumer's mind, in the long run, you'll always be there.
0: And there you're doing personal branding for Neil Patel, right? Not Crazy Egg?
2: That's correct. I'm doing personal branding. Cool.
0: So if, because I, and I'm already starting down this path um, for Stiletto Coffee, right? So my obvious uh, ideal avatar, are I, you know, Kenya and I's avatar are, uh, you know, women with kind of a positive vibe, uplifting, but you know they're whether they're driven and success oriented or just really fashionable and kind of some maybe sometimes sassy and funny, etcetera, but it's I mean it's a pretty big swath of women, which is you
1: know, yeah, it's a huge market,
0: right? <laughs> so it's that's almost overwhelming because you're like it's so big, like where do you start? So if you were if you were advising me on this, uh what like if this was yours, what would what actions would you take? Kind of the same thing. Like, would you just say, hey, listen, would you share this photo or would you try to get them
2: product to take pictures with it? Or oh, the, the hardest part for you is going to be finding who to get to share it. Yeah. So you can, let's say, pick a ton of models. The problem with the models are, even though they're women, most of their followers are a large portion are male. Mm-hmm. So I would go for, let's say, the housewives, uh, the working uh, woman, or the entrepreneur woman who's actually doing something Uh, Amazing with a lifestyle. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. models do anything amazing, but you get the point. I'm saying go after someone who's like successful, right?
1: Yep.
2: Uh, And who's a go getter and who's really busy, and have them promote stiletto coffee. Those are the people I would pay. I would even uh, pay all the people who like use the cooking stuff, like you know the
1: uh,
2: they'll show like Instagram videos and making recipes and stuff. Yep. And pay them to promote the product because their audience is going to be largely female.
0: Now, when you're doing that, are you just, are you sending them the photo that you want them to post or are you asking them to kind of be creative and do it on them on their own?
2: They be creative, do it on their own, send the image over to us before they post it for approval and then post it.
0: Nice. And are, do you kind of have a, okay. Do you, I think you said you reverse engineered a rule of thumb of um, how much you would pay somebody. Like if you're just coming out, let's say somebody's got 50,000 followers, right? And they're relatively well engaged. Do you know approximately how much you'd spend
2: on that? Yeah, one to three cents per like. That's the max I'm willing to pay. So, so if their, if their photo gets ten thousand likes, and you pay a penny per like. Then you would pay a hundred bucks. Or okay, you so you're paying
1: afterwards.
0: So you're saying oh, if you take this picture and if you get if you get ten thousand likes, this is what I'm. You're not giving them a flat fee up front.
2: I usually am, but we're back, we're backing out the map mm. the
0: Cause you can stuff. see what their average likes are and yes. kind of, yeah, okay, cool. I was, um, there's a guy named Justin Maris. He wrote a book called, he and his partner wrote a book called Traction and they've got a, um, they've got a, a great bone broth company that they started, uh, called Kettle and, Is it called? Kettle and Fire. And they grew it up to multiple seven figures in a year and mainly off the back of content marketing and, um, and uh, influencer marketing, he said. One of the things that he did, which I'm I'm about to try out right now, is he goes, you know, I, we'd find some of the smaller ones, twenty to thirty thousand uh, followers, and he goes, our first email to them or first message to them was, hey, listen, love what you're doing. I'd love to get your uh, PayPal or Venmo email and send you um, send you money for a like a for a post. And he the, he's just first of all asking for their their PayPal email, and he'd send them like thirty bucks. So if they have like thirty thousand followers, he'd send them thirty bucks, and uh not negotiating, not talking about anything else. It's it's the easiest money they're ever going to make. And then I just send them a picture of my product, and I have them post it. And he goes, but what that does is it it it's a it's a seamless transaction. I mean, it's really easy for them, and it's a nice picture. I'm not asking them to do anything else except repost it. And now, depending on how it works, he goes back to them, and they're much more. Uh, willing to work with him, whether it's as an affiliate or, or something else. But he goes, yeah, man, we were just sending out 20 and $30 PayPal's all over the place. And it worked really well. Like, That's interesting.
2: That's smart. I didn't think about it that way. I should have tried that.
0: Yeah. He sent me a email with his little script. I'll, uh, I'm happy to share it with you. Or actually, you know what? I'll share it with the, I'll share it with you right now. So the whole, my whole world can hear it. Cause I don't think I've released this one on the, um, on the podcast yet. So, Here's what, yeah, this was just July 27th. He said, yeah, for outreach, I'd basically say, what's your email? Can I pay, pay ah, can I PayPal you 20 bucks? I love your work and would love to have you post an image of our product for three hours. Then feel free to take it down. He goes, then just test it and figured out what dollar amount worked. But uh, he goes, yeah, for some people, like, boom, I just paid for their dinner that day or their lunch. And all they had to do was repost a picture. Yeah, and they're probably ecstatic. Right, exactly. Especially on the 20 30,000 people range. How high are you going? Like, like, what's the biggest Instagram account that you've sponsored? We usually try to shoot for
2: people that have at least a million followers.
0: I would think so, yeah.
2: <laughs> and then it goes up all the way to like 10 or 15 million.
0: Now, do you ever get, because uh, I know you can do this. So let's say somebody with a million followers takes a photo. Do you uh, ever take that and then run ads to their followers, assuming you can, if they're big too, enough.
1: Too expensive.
0: Oh, it is.
2: Ads on Instagram are really expensive. We do purely just paying people. And we'll negotiate with like celebrities too. Like I was talking with uh, someone who represents Kim Kardashian and they're like, 150 grand, we get Kim Kardashian to promote. And I was like, trying to back out the math. And I'm like, all right, can I make the math work out?
0: Yeah, I I know some people who have done that. And they, they did say that, so they were promoting a product like this Fit Tea, you know, like weight loss tea. And they said, yeah. I think they said they spent $200,000 and, um, they said it definitely did not ROI for them. It was, uh, it was so broad and so expensive. And I don't know if you know this, like, I don't think you can use, if she takes a picture with your product, you can't use that picture anywhere else. You can't put it on your own website. Like here's Kim with my stuff. <laughs> you can't do any of that.
2: No, I agree. Yeah. We could end up backing it out. And at that point when we we're looking at the numbers like, oh, cool. We're going to paying like 20 cents a like instead <laughs> a penny alike but right. like keepers mm-hmm. don't work out
0: yeah exactly so um, that's interesting yeah that's a uh, that's a big avenue we're about to go down we've we've toyed with it and I think it's gonna um...
2: but, but the big mistake people make when they're using these influencers mm-hmm. they'll have them all post throughout the week we found that it's best to pick one day a week and have them all post during that day mm. and that's because more people see it and it, they're like wow we're seeing still coffee everywhere we need to go and check it out
0: hmm Nice. Yeah, I like that. It's kind of like the, let's just take the shotgun approach right away. Boom. Because if they're on social media, they're going to see it. Um, Are there particular days or times that you like for them to do that?
2: I always pick Monday through Thursday, but that's because we're in B2B. Yeah, that's a good point. For us, like Brazil is every Monday. Uh, Tuesday is in the U.S. Wednesdays is uh, all the Spanish markets. Okay. We break it up per region as well.
0: Nice. Well, I like it, man. This, is, uh, this has been a lot of fun, dude. I really enjoyed this, and I look forward to reading your book when it comes out. So um, where can people go to find it?
2: Amazon.com.
0: Nice. Are you going to be selling it on your own site as well or doing any of that?
2: I'm supposed to, but I haven't.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice. I already sold a shitload of free copies. Yeah. Like, I think we're like at 20-something thousand, and we haven't even launched
0: Oh, nice. Oh, okay. You did the pre order strategy?
2: Yeah, well, we're just selling it. Like, I blast out to email lists and I'm able to do corporate sales because.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: I know so many people in the business world, right?
0: Right. Uh, Are there any nuts you're trying to crack right now? Whether it's, you know, people you're trying to hire, skills you're trying to develop, um, just anything like that. This is kind of where if myself or my listeners, you know, light bulb goes off over their head. May as well tell them.
2: Uh, you, re- repeat the question again. Yeah. There, is
0: there any kind of a nut you're trying to crack in your business or life right now? Any kind of anything you're looking for that maybe myself or my listeners could help you find?
2: I'm good on mine. Good. Uh, I don't really have anything specific, but appreciate you asking. Anything no. I can for you or your listeners?
0: You know, um, number one thing that you can do for, well, my listeners, I'm sure they want a bunch of stuff, right? New toys and all that, but you know, for me, some of the be- one of the best things you could do is just any, uh, any like really influential, you know, women who, m- who may be good for me to speak with, uh, revolving around the coffee would be r- just really amazing. Even if you know any like whether it's high-powered and influential women and you want to send them a, a a bag of coffee on me, I'm happy to send it to them for free. I just like to get my you know or our product out there you know cool. in oh, more sorry. hands
2: some influential woman that would be in the US that uh, would want some coffee
0: yeah that'd be that'd be really cool um, other than that brother i appreciate your time today and i look forward to reading your book and i know all of my all of my listeners do as well uh, speaking back to my listeners if you've enjoyed this if you've enjoyed neil you can always check him out at neilpatel.com and quicksprout.com right and crazyegg.com and uh, you've got a lot of, you've got a lot of stuff. If you aren't paying attention to his articles on neilpatel.com and quick sprout, um, you can get some of the best marketing education ever just by reading his free blog posts. It just, it blows me away that, you know, you give that stuff away for free, but it's awesome. Um, That being said, if you have enjoyed this, if you want more insight from me, if you've got any ideas for me, if there's something I didn't cover, and if you want to flatter me and tell me that you want to be me when you grow up in order to gain influence with me, send an email to askbrad at baconwrappedbusiness.com. And uh, that is my personal email. I will read it and reply to to it uh, if I can. But uh, Neil, appreciate your time, brother. And everybody else, I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Mm. Talk to you soon.